Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sam's Report. It is uh, it's the 24th. This month is uh, basically over. And a lot of good stuff happening this week, even though there weren't a lot of big announcements. Um, interesting things in the world of Microsoft. But uh, before I kick that off, if you're not familiar with Therat.com, that's one of the sites where actually this podcast gets posted. But that website and that through that website, I should say, we're running a challenge. It's called the Xamarin Challenge. Totally recommend you check it out. Uh, you can go to Therat.com or just go to uh, Xamarin.Therat.com. Uh, I believe. If not, I should, I'll should i put the link in the show description after I do this. But anyways, uh, if you complete the challenge, we're giving away two Surface Studios. Not So I get a lot of questions because it's like, hey, Brad just got a Surface Studio. Is it that Surface Studio? No, it is not that one. That's a review unit for Microsoft. Um, that is not one of them. The one you will get will be fresh and pretty and uh, free of my DNA and fingerprints. So you can go check that out. Um, it's not all that hard to do. I've actually been rocking through it, getting more familiar with Xamarin and Visual Studio. And you got a chance to win one of two Surface Studios. So that's a pretty legit prize, especially if you're familiar with Xamarin. You guys can definitely blow through that stuff. But uh, on to the more fun stuff this week. So the Wall Street Journal came out with a post and they said uh, the Windows 10 version for China's government is now complete. And they used, in, in quotations, the back doors were now removed. So I, I did a bit, a bit of poking around on this and... Uh, what I've uncovered in the the biggest change between the version of Windows 10 that the Chinese Chinese government's going to use and the version that we use today is that actually when you authenticate the Windows 10 China government version, it's not going to Redmond. It's actually going to one of their partners in China. So that's a pretty big change. But that's one of the, the caveats that Microsoft made is that, okay, they still have to buy a licensing and they still have to uh, authenticate it. But rather than that data going to Redmond, it's now going to a local company in China. And if you're familiar with how China works, if you are a foreign company wanting to do business in China, you can't just go there and just build a, uh, you know, open up shop. That's not really how it works. You actually have to create uh, a partnership with a local company and uh, that's really what Microsoft has done here. They created a partnership with a local company. That company is now going to be responsible for the authentication of that stuff. And that's the biggest change. Um, I, I don't know if Microsoft has detailed everything else out, but that's kind of what I understand to be the biggest difference between the two iterations. Uh, I, I actually fully expect at some point somebody here will get their hands on this build of Windows 10 and actually they'll tell us a little bit more. But that's what we know for now. Uh, speaking of Windows 10, Windows 10 is RTM'd, uh, although Microsoft doesn't use that language. If you dig around far enough into the source code and the things with inside of Windows, yeah, they actually still use that. Uh, it, it is going to be 15.063. It's the same. Is it 16.03? Uh, it's the latest build that has gone out. Is now available for the slow ring. Microsoft is just pushing this stuff everywhere. They're getting ready to kick this out the door. We don't know the exact date yet. Uh, Microsoft has not officially announced it. But I suspect that in the relative near future, Microsoft will do that. I mean, you know, the dotted lines have been signed. This stuff is signed, sealed, and delivered. Now it is time to move on to Redstone 3. And, and so what is, what is Redstone 3? What's the plan here? And so uh, taking a step back, if you look at what Redstone 2 was, it really was just kind of a shadow of a whole bunch of randomness that they, they packaged under this creator's update. And they created a 3D paint app and some other random stuff and improve pen input. But it, it, realistically, it's a pretty minor update. There's not there's not a whole lot of stuff in it. 
um, I know somebody's going to write me an email with a list of like 65 different things, but they're all small things like being able to use a pen in the Maps app, uh, which they, I would argue is still not really a creator's update because that can be serviced through the store. And so that's really just an app update that they conveniently timed with the creator's update. But, you know, anyways, um, there's some good edge stuff coming, but it's not really a big update. Redstone 3, from what I'm hearing, is going to be a much larger update. There's going to be some uh, significant UI potential... I hate to use, I shouldn't have used the word significant, but there's going to be some some UI updates. Um, I believe we'll eventually see that white theme. Uh, there's going to be some action center goodness. At least this is all the stuff that's in the planning. Uh, mobile is going to be getting some good stuff, I believe. I think uh, there was some mobile stuff tagged for Redstone 2 that never materialized, and I don't know if they pushed it to 3, uh, but we're going to find out real quick here. Uh, well, I shouldn't say real quick. Um, and then there's some actually some back-end underlying changes that I think are going to allow them to enable more features more quickly. Uh, so a, a lot of good stuff going to be coming in Redstone 3. The timeline for that is we're looking October, November. Granted, this could all shift. This is, uh, this is, this is really like fluid at this point. So if, you know, it comes October, November, this stuff's not out. Don't be chastising me, but, um, look for like that type of a time frame which also means that uh the insider builds that we start getting should start coming from a different branch currently they're in the redstone 2 branch uh the next one i would not be surprised if it's actually from the redstone 3 branch that would make the most sense and what we'll what we'll typically see here is um some new features up front then there'll be a little bit of lag and the new features up front are typically those that got uh, delayed from Redstone 2. There'll be a nice little lag um, time where there's not a whole lot, just bug fixes and stuff. And then there'll be a huge, a huge push of updates. Uh, kind of if you remember like the December, well, let's just say like the January, February time frame. There were a lot of features coming in. Um, expect that type of thing, to obviously, ramp up. I would hedge maybe June, July for that kind of stuff. We'll see. Might be a little bit later than that. Um, but that's the tentative uh, kind of push right now. So Redstone 3, right around the corner. Should be a lot of good stuff. Um, the, we're, we're starting in... I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this ever before, but here's the thing that I start getting worried about with these multiple updates per year with Redstone. So Microsoft is successfully moved to a rapid release cycle and you know it's like good job give them a round of applause. I almost wonder if it's too rapid because we get things like the creators update which is like this... They, they, made this huge deal about it but it's not really all that much um stuff and again i know there's a lot of things in it but nothing substantial uh it, it would be the, the better way to phrase it but anyways uh, here's what i begin to worry about so it's like okay hey like they're having another big update this fall um like people are going to start looking for things to do that may not need to be done, but they're going to do them anyway to justify being busy to make sure that they have something to include in the release and I worry that, you know, it, getting through the first couple of updates is fine, but then they're going to be like, okay, what are we going to do for the next update? And they're like, you know what, I don't have any good ideas. And then they'll just create something dumb and they'll go do it for the sake of doing it just to justify that they're busy to justify their org's uh, budget. And so I haven't seen any blatantly obvious things like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if we eventually see that stuff like seeping in uh, into Windows 10. And that's that's just kind of them because they're not just them, I phrase that better but that's because i think they're almost getting to the point where they're pushing things out too rapidly uh i think they would be better off if hey every july they pushed out an update just very regimented very stable very reliable because remember when this creator's update comes out it kicks off the 60 day uh end of life cycle for build 1511 i believe and so like if you're an it admin it's like you've got you know you're juggling all these update balls in the air and 
we like as a human, we like uh, stable, reliable patterns. It's just like that's why people sometimes don't like change. We like things to be consistent, and th these updates are coming at very random times. We've had July, we've had uh, we've had in the late fall, um, and now we have in March, April. So it's there's no consistency to this stuff. It's just like hey, it's done, bam. Um, so. It, too rapid might be too much, but we'll see. We'll see how this stuff continues to materialize. Uh, kind of somewhat out of left field, but I think I got a pretty good theory about why this is happening. Uh, Apple announced a, announced a bunch of stuff this week, a lot of random stuff too. So they're replacing the two-year-old iPad Air with a new budget iPad for 329, uh, 32 gig version. The iPad Mini 4 uh, got a you know, quasi update, but it now starts at 128 gigs. And because they discontinued the 32 for 399 uh, iPhone 7 and 7 Plus got a red iteration, so iPhone red, um, although they were dumb and they made the front white instead of black. Black looks so much better. Uh, and then the iPhone SE, uh, they upgraded the base level storage. They also came out with some new bands for the Apple Watch and a whole bunch of just kind of random mishmash stuff. And so here's my theory on this. I think Apple's going to have an event sometime in the next four to five weeks, and they will announce the new iPad Pros, maybe new iMacs and updates to the Mac Pro. And so that's a kind of a lot of stuff in the Apple world. And all of the things that were announced were always those kind of like background items that were announced uh, at previous Apple events. So I, what I'm thinking they're doing here is that they bundled all that stuff up and said, hey, you know what? I bet we can ship this stuff early. We'll get a nice PR cycle about it. It won't go unnoticed. And then they'll have their event where they'll get all the, you know, the, the premium products will get all their love too. And so it's actually a pretty smart move on Apple's part because now they're getting two PR cycles about new stuff. And uh, there you go. So I think it's just them clearing house of the, the backlog and that. Speaking of the Mac, uh, this leaked out earlier this week by Walking Cat. It's actually an app. It's called Mac to Surface. And what it is, it's, it's an app you can download for your OS X. And uh, it allows you to basically bundle up all your content that's on your Mac and move it to a Surface. It's called Mac to Surface uh, uh, Assistant. One that surprised me, maybe if Microsoft announces that their upcoming Surface event that I believe they're going to have, I, I'm thinking it's next month. Here, there were some rumors coming out that it would come out at the end of March. No. Uh, I, I never I actually shot down some of those, I think, on Twitter where people were saying, hey, it's coming to March. I'm like, I don't think it's coming to March. I, I actually, I'm more confident than it's in April. Now, if April goes by and doesn't happen, then I'll be like, eh. Uh, but that's what I had heard was April. We Well, initially we heard spring, so technically now we're in spring. And then I was hearing that it was April was the target month for that stuff. So uh, rumors speculate that maybe Microsoft is waiting for Apple to announce their event so then they can strategically do it then. Uh, you know, around and, and not overlap or do whatever. But I don't I don't know if that's a good idea. A couple of reasons. One, typically you have to reserve a venue. I would imagine Microsoft probably rents it for a week. So the, it's not like something they can say, bam, we own this place. We can just go do it. That is unless they have the event at their uh, Redmond campus, which Microsoft, please do not have it at your Redmond campus because we have to go up there for build. And that's a uh, really long flight. So uh, anyways, Mac to Surface Assistant is... You can't find it anymore, but if you're looking to go from a Mac to a Surface, Microsoft has a neat little app that will help you do that. Uh, other things that happened this week. Uh, Microsoft's infrastructure kind of kind of pooped the bed again, and for over an hour, over an hour on this stuff, uh, it was offline. 
And so, you know, the internet goes nuts because, again, it was it seemed like it's something to do with the MSAs because it was kind of everything was going down. And so an insider at the company actually told me what the root cause was, at least initially. Now, granted, when these things happen, sometimes you have a failure at point A and that failure replicates across and that causes more failures in different areas and creates a, you know, a snowball rolling down a hill effect of issues. But I believe the initial thing that kicked this off is that somebody pushed out a bad authentication certificate to the MSA infrastructure or whatever it's called. And that that's what really screwed this up. And of course, as it replicated to different services that knocked things offline and they had to go purge that bad certificate and it took them over an hour to get that fully flushed out of the system. So from my understanding, it was, again, 100% human error. So as we've learned from Azure, uh, I think two times now, and Amazon, the weakest link of the cloud is a human. Yep. Uh, because a human took down Azure, or AWS with a bad uh, code push, and it took down Azure with a bad code push. So lesson is, never human in your cloud. Never, never let a human in your cloud, because apparently we just need to let the robots do it. So anyways... Uh, that is going on. Other things um, in the bad world of Microsoft before we jump into the questions here is Skype. <laughs> Skype had a WTF moment uh, late yesterday afternoon. So they were promoting, they do these Skype chat things, which are fine. I have no problem with them. Um, and it's kind of like an interview through Skype or whatever. And they were promoting some guy's thing. And it says, hey, you know, come chat with this individual at 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. And uh, the attached picture was, and I'm not making this up, was quite literally uh, a, a male that was cut in half and all you could see was his torso and his uh, guts were like spilled out. I don't, it was an extremely gory picture. Clearly not something you'd want on Twitter. On It was a, uh, the epitome of a PR fail. And I don't know why you'd even have that... Like, the person who tweeted this is like, did you not see the image that you attached? I Like, the only thing that went through my mind is that, you know, they're on their computer. And it's like, okay, I'm going to tweet this out. I need to grab this picture and put it up. And they grab the wrong picture. Fine, you know, that happens. But why do you have that picture on your machine in a very highly visible spot? I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was way to go Skype. Um, but on the other side of the Microsoft coin this week, it was actually really quiet. They didn't really announce a whole lot, I, mostly because their heads down getting this creators update ready to ship. And people were kind of hoping maybe that we'd hear things um, going on. I will throw this out there. Uh, speaking with Mary Jo in a little bit, and I think she talked about this on Windows Weekly uh, eventually. She doesn't think the Surface Book 2 is coming at this April spring event. Uh, again, this is her saying, I don't, I, I haven't heard anything uh, particular about this, but she thinks it may not be a Surface Book 2. It might be just a, a different device. And that's kind of where her information ends, I believe. And so it gets you kind of thinking about Microsoft doing stuff with ARM. They always like to create category defining devices. So it'd be interesting if they came out with some sort of Windows ARM based device. Remember they had the Surface uh, RT initially. I don't think they're going to go that route, but... It might be something more clamshell uh, from what the patents that uh, have been uncovered suggest, and it might be based on ARM. Remember, Microsoft is moving into this ARM space in the fall. Uh, the, the other question comes out is that, is it too early to announce something for this uh, product line now if it's not going to ship to the fall? We don't know when it's going to ship. We don't really know how far along it is. We have seen Microsoft demo Windows on ARM, so it could be a very real possibility that, hey, it's much closer than we think, and they, again, might take the risk of of getting those chips early from Qualcomm, the Snapdragon, what is it, Snapdragon 835, and actually running with it. 
a lot of speculation at this point. I think we kind of need to just simmer down. I know some people are going to run with some crazy headlines based off of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, just just pay attention to the people who are reasonably calm about this because it's we need, we need to wait and see what Microsoft is doing because I can tell you this much. Microsoft is every single piece of hardware Microsoft has shipped since the Surface RT. They have been extremely scared about write downs because if you don't remember Surface RT, they had a $900 million product write down. And they do not want to have that again. They haven't had too many big issues, but they haven't shipped anything that's really ARM-based since. Uh, the, with the caveat of phones, technically, and the Surface RT2. Uh, but again, those are such limited run production runs. So, still trying to poke around on that. Uh, if anybody knows who's listening, uh, Snapchat's the exact same as my Twitter handle. And, you know, that's a great way to chat uh, about this kind of stuff. Or, you know, whatever comfortable i will tell you this uh one of the people who emails me information insider sources i have absolutely no idea who it is um it comes from a very random email address just information shows up in my inbox and through over time it has proven to be extremely reliable but i have absolutely no idea who it is i microsoft come to me and say hey, hey we got your source it's x person i couldn't tell you um there's i, I talked to quite a few people but one of the more accurate people i have absolutely no idea who it is i like to think it's satya uh or somebody who's disgruntled um and likes to tell me things but i honestly have no idea so there you go we're gonna jump into the questions because there are quite a few this week Whoa, where's my tab uh adam adam corbally asks he says do you think microsoft should be doing more to make uh affordable p to make affordable pcs and laptops attractive via the store and hardware um most admittedly, excellent hardware is out of reach for the current cu uh, customer. Games in the Windows Store only run on the best hardware. Why not get some Xbox 360 games in the store that people can run? Why isn't Age of Empires in the... I love Age of Empires. It Yeah. Uh, it would be something for Android tablets. iPads couldn't, but PCs could. And so this is like a really uh, multiple-part question. So one of the things that Microsoft does do for lower-end hardware to make it not such a terrible experience is if you're going to buy something... I fully recommend trying to get a signature PC, mostly because that comes without the crapware. And so for lower-end hardware, which is where companies like Dell and HP and all those guys try to make up margins on that low-end hardware, is by including things like antivirus, uh, just bundled games or applications that you'll never need, want, or use. And so uh, the, the question becomes, should Microsoft be doing more to make games playable on lower-end hardware? So this is a, a double-edged sword here, and let me explain why. One... A lot of the games on the PC, Age of Empires excluded, Microsoft doesn't make, right? They're made by a third party. And the people who buy games are people who uh, have high-end machines. And so they're making them for those machines. And grant, it's kind of like if they're not going to make it super low-end because that's not the target market who's buying games, unfortunately. Like people don't go out and buy a $350 laptop expecting to game on it, and so they don't buy games. It's the people who go out and buy the $2,000 laptop or $2,000 desktop PC or whatever. They expect to play games, and that's who the games are made for. Realistically, I see where you're going with the Xbox 360 stuff, but the problem with that is you're going to need some sort of emulation layer, which, again, bundling emulation layer with a lower-end processor... It's not, not a winning combination. So really, if you're running an older PC or a newer PC, but you want to play games, you need to look at older games. Uh, that's typically going to be your best bet, right? Because they were made for high-end hardware five years ago, and now you know things have evolved, and so they should be good. As for should this fall into Microsoft, I don't. I, that would be too tough of a pill for them to swallow, especially because they have the Xbox One, and they want to promote the premium experience, and they do a lot for the high-end gamers, which as I've said probably five times now, they're the ones spending the money in this. 
So uh, next question comes from MerkBlue281. Uh, and this is a really good question on timing, and I'll get to that in a second as to why. It says that as your remote app is getting canned, which is unfortunate, the supposed service that is available as a replacement are from Citrix, MyCloud, MyCloud IT, and others, and they're much more expensive options, and some are uh, feasible for small businesses. This is very key here, small businesses. Uh, even simply running Azure VMs capable enough to act as RDS host is prohibitively expensive. Is there any acknowledgement by Microsoft that the cloud services they need for small customers uh, with a discontinuance of ARM remote services, it feels like a pushback and then running more towards uh, running on-prem. This is frustrating because RDS via Azure is magnificent away is a magnificent way of eliminating uh, single endpoints of failure and possible power and connectivity issues faced by uh, single and local businesses. So this is actually a question I'm going to take to Microsoft and ask them and see what they say. My gut tells me that they're going to be like, hey, um, Azure, we, we do a small bit. They do a small business program where they offer credits. And I think that's going to be the way they go with it. Um, I honestly suspect that there's a bigger story here to this Azure remote app and Citrix thing. Something doesn't feel right about Microsoft. Be like, you know what? We're not going to use our own app anymore. We're just going to say, you know what, go go spend money with a third party. Something about that doesn't feel right to me. And I, I'm wondering if we're going to see something come online from Microsoft that will replace that in a different way. So uh, keep your eye out. If I think that might come at Build, maybe, if not, uh, the Worldwide Partner Conference. So... That's that's a really good question. The reason why I say this is uh, conveniently timed, and I promise this is not a loaded question. Uh, April twenty sixth. If you are in the Columbus, Ohio region, I mean it's a pretty large area. Uh, I'm I'm going to be speaking at a Citrix user group, just kind of talking about the future of Microsoft and the business, uh, Office three sixty five, their cloud, and all that stuff. So uh, if you're in that area, definitely check it out. I'll tweet out some stuff here in a little bit, but yeah. Yep, 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 yep. We'll see. Uh, we'll see about that. So uh, Mark Blue comes back with another one. This is actually, oh, more, I remember this question, more of a suggestion. And he's actually dead on. This is actually something personal to me and myself. He says, it's tax time. Please recommend uh, that anyone using transferring documents to or from their accountants take some well-informed steps. Use Office Lens to make PDF documents. Uh, don't forget to encrypt and be really smart about it. Because if you're transferring tax documents, which I am, I fall into this bucket, it's going to have your entire profile to steal your credit or your life. Uh, it's going to have your social security number. It's going to have potentially your bank accounts. It's going to have where your place of work. It's going to have everything it needs to basically steal your life. So just that's a, a good solid recommendation as tax time comes up here to April 15th. Uh, Av, Av Roda, uh, he says, hey, Brad, long time listener. First time asking a question. Samsung released three tablets at Mobile World Congress, two of which were running Windows 10 uh, with Windows 10 on ARM coming this fall. What are the odds that we see Galaxy S8 or maybe even the even the rumor display a phone running Windows 10 on ARM might try and break into the enterprise. So I, I fully think we will see things from Samsung. I don't think they will call it a Galaxy S8 because that would overlap too much with their brand. But uh, Samsung has been pretty supportive of Microsoft's endeavors into the tablet space. And I fully expect them, uh, mostly because they can make some, you know, ignoring the Note 7 fiasco, Samsung can make some really high-end and awesome hardware, and they can also build ARM chips. I don't know if they can, they, I guess they probably can't build the 835 technically, but um, I fully expect Samsung to go deep into this ARM thing and try to take some market share quick and early because they have the capacity to do it, uh, and not every company does. So I am optimistic we're going to see some high-end hardware, but as for specifics, we don't really quite know yet. 
Um, let's see, C1, C2, C3, C4. You know, the longest, hardest name to pronounce sometimes. Uh, just because so many syllables. Uh, da, 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 da. So he's talking about... Um, a question was about the competitor reaction to allegedly lower-priced Surface Book 2. Okay, so I know where he's heading with this. So if Microsoft comes out with a Surface Book 2, lower price, which I don't actually think it might not be a Surface Book 2 based on Mary Jo's information. It might just be more of a clamshell or something similar-ish. Not fully sure yet. I think that it's... So if you're a Dell or an HP or whatever, it, the new reality is, is that Microsoft's a PC vendor through and through, right? They build the Surface Studio back here. They build that Surface Book. Uh, they have a Pro 4, and they have them over a wide range of price points. I don't think it really matters at this point. The impact to OEM business at this point, I think, has already been uh, out there because if you're spending $899, on a laptop or whatever, you already have the option of a Surface Pro 4. If you're spending higher end, we already know the story there. And the lower end, Microsoft has continued to sell the Surface Pro 3, which again, falls into those lower price points. I don't think it's too big of an issue for that. Uh, and Isaac Dal Delay, Dali asks, and I love this question. He goes, uh, <laughs> what's a feature in the creator creators update that normal users will actually care about? So there's the, and then the, yeah. Uh, this is a very, <laughs> to be honest, the creators update is a bunch of random stuff. Like I, I don't think many people are going to be using this 3d paint app. I hope that I'm wrong, but there's 3d paint. Honestly, the really big thing that, and it's not even that big thing coming in the creators update for everybody is actually the update to windows defender. That's a pretty big update. It makes the process of protecting your PC much more easy, but I know from a consumer perspective, they just assume everything's protected. They don't really, they're not very proactive about it. Right. We know that because of weak passwords and all that stuff. So that's not really like a great update. Um, but then, then there's a lot of updates to like the mail app. A groove is getting some new stuff. Um, groove music maker, no idea what's going on there. Um, and then there's some updates to Edge. So if you're using Edge, it's uh, much more organized tabs and that kind of stuff. So if you're an Edge user in the creator's update, you're going to get some good stuff. I, I, should, I shouldn't completely bash this thing. So Edge creator's update does have some good stuff, some good, better tab management, um, uh, better recall features, and better organizational, that kind of stuff. So there is some good stuff there, and it's going to render things a little bit better too. Although what we're not seeing with the creator's update, which Microsoft has promised but yet failed to execute, is that the Edge browser is still only being updated with the large updates of Windows 10, which is... It's Microsoft just shooting themselves in the foot with all this stuff because Chrome is updated every six weeks. Uh, Firefox, similar schedule. Edge is what? Twice a year max? Like, guys, come on. They keep saying they're going to service it through the store. It's not happening yet. I haven't heard if it's happening with Redstone 3, but at this point, it's like, Microsoft, you're losing market share because you guys aren't updating and iterating fast enough like your competitors are. And if you're pissed that uh, Edge doesn't have enough market share, which we know they are, because one, I've heard that very bluntly that they're pissed off on how much little market share it has and the, all the Edge ads they're putting in. Um, you need to service it faster. It doesn't, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to run a marathon, but let me let me shoot myself in the foot. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they've done. And as Neon Spark, he says, Brad, Edge is trash. Let's face it. It's another IE. So I would say it's better than IE, but the problem, the problem Edge faces and I know a lot of the guys that work on Edge, they're very smart people. The, the problem Edge faces is that being as good as Chrome is not enough, right? The, the reason people switch to Chrome is because it was superior to the Microsoft product, right? It was better in just about every way conceivable. 
And so if Edge is just as good as Chrome, there's no compelling reason to switch. And if you've got all your passwords and all that stuff saved in Chrome, I know you can transfer them with LastPass and all that stuff. But the thing is, Edge not only has to be good as Chrome, it has to be a, a, a sizable leap in user experience and performance and everything else over Chrome. And, and let's, just, let's just say if there's 10 metrics and at least seven of those, six or seven, to get people to, to, to stick with Edge. And it's not there yet. And that's the, the biggest issue uh, with Edge. And so it's unfortunate. If Edge would have come out three years ago, like it, in its current state, it would have been great. It would have, it would have done very well. But the problem is it, it really didn't. And when it launched with Windows 10, it was neutered pretty heavily and that kind of stuff. So I, I wish Edge the best. And I'll probably give it a try here with the creator's update to see if I can, can use it. But I mean, I'm, I use Chrome all day long. My machine, uh, doesn't really isn't really constrained for resources so it's not a huge issue and obviously it's a desktop so battery life doesn't matter and um the, the 10 i wonder i wonder if someone could figure out how much money you would actually save on your monthly electric bill but let's just say let's just make up a number and say saving five bucks by using edge every day of the month versus chrome but i'd be happier using chrome so that that's five dollars it's whatever anyways uh next week you know like we're, we're getting into that time where I, I, I'm starting to think maybe we'll start to see invites go out for uh, an April event. And I, I'm hoping that we see them next week. I don't have any insider information. This is just kind of me hoping. I'm really hoping it's not April 26th because if it is April 26th, uh, I won't be able to go because I will be uh, presenting at a couple different things actually that day up in the Columbus, Ohio area. So let's let's cross our fingers and hope it's not April 26th. But I'm hoping we see something next week or hear something next week about this. So um, that's about it for today, guys. Uh, you know, we're hitting about the 30-minute mark, which is where we like to be. As always, uh, have yourselves an excellent weekend. I think this has been another good week, although a little bit quieter. But on the back side, the back channel was a little bit louder than usual. So everybody have a great week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time.